The Nets drop to 0-2 on an absolute heartbreaker in Dallas. It looked like they had this one won, much like it looked like they had the Cleveland game won, are not able to close it out against superstars. A back-breaking loss. They go to 0-2. Luka goes absolutely nuclear in the fourth quarter. We got a ton to discuss. Jacques Vaughn decisions, starting lineups, a lineup that looked like it could hang with one of the better teams in basketball, but in the end, it's not good enough. Going to get into it all, but first, the theme music. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Nets podcast of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. I'm Doug Norrie coming at you live over on YouTube following a bone-crushing, heartbreaking, absolutely flabbergasting, a bunch of other words and that I can't even think of because I'm too upset to think about it right now. Nets lost 125 to 120 in Dallas in a game where the Nets led in the fourth quarter once again. And once again, we watch another team superstar dagger them. This time, a few daggers over and over and over again, uh, just to really hammer home the point. And they're able to snatch victory from the jaws of no, snatch defeat from the jaws of victory and lose to drop to zero and two. Just a backbreaker on a Friday night where you think you're gonna just maybe start the weekend with uh, with a Nets win, get them to one and one, beat old friend Kyrie Irving in a game where they really held him in check in Dallas, a pretty tough place to play against. Obviously, one of the top best player you know one of the best players in Luka Doncic in the entire NBA tons of stuff to discuss in this game obviously rolling this one solo going to be going a little off the cuff because we're coming you know just a few minutes after the game ends so sometimes it's you're, you're trying to gather all your thoughts about a game that had a ton of stuff going on from it for it uh, basically from start to finish in in a game that you know Nets come in with a new look they're dealing with some injuries they get we get a sort of like new stylistically way to play because they separate the Simmons and Claxton minutes just because Claxton's not able to play. You know, they're going to have to try to hold Luca in check. They're going to have to try to hold Kyrie in check. There's the, the, the crowd's really amped up because it's uh, Dallas's first home game of the season. Tons going on in this game. And yet through it all, Nets just hang extremely tough, right? Like they play their hearts out. I thought this was close to an A-plus performance considering the personnel that they were bringing to the court. Uh, you know, without Claxton, without Cam Johnson, already they're going to be undermanned because this just any team that has Luca and Kyrie on it is going to be better than a lot of other teams in basketball. And we saw from their first win in the year over San Antonio that they brought in some role players and some draft picks here that probably are really, really going to help them over the course of the season. So we knew this was going to be a tough game. Nets play really strong throughout on the back of, uh, I mean, just frankly, excellent play from just about everyone that got minutes, but I got to start off just by talking about the Luka Doncic performance. I mean, like in the end, I know sometimes it's not good enough when you're talking about a game to just sort of throw your hands up in the air and say like, what are you going to do about it? Right. <laughs> and believe me, I'm i uh, I'm guilty of this a lot. So sometimes you're just like, Hey, what are we going to do? You know? And, and that's not always fair, right? There's, there's lots of things that go on in dissecting a game. There's lots of things analytically that you want to try to figure out uh, sort of the X's and O's piece a uh, piece of a game and you know where things might have gone wrong and changes that could have been made to, to to get a win right like things that could have happened that being said when you have Luka Doncic hitting 
essentially 12 points worth of step back threes in two minutes, including one that looks like something you throw up in a game of horse. If you're just kind of screwing around in the backyard and have it bank home and have that be the, the go ahead three on a, on a possession where the nets played absolutely pitch, pitch perfect defense or picture perfect defense. I, I do want to say like, well, you, you sort of have to throw your hands up in the air, right? Like what can you possibly do that? That last shot by Doncic that acted as, as basically the backbreaking shot, right? That put him up by three. What are you going to do? I mean, that's a it's a trick shot. It's not even a trick shot. It's just a it's a hail mary that banks in doesn't call bank. I'm sure, and they end up and it's just one of those ones like we kind of like okay maybe this is just not the night right they're gonna we're gonna do everything we can here but when it's all said and done if these are the kind of shots that are gonna go in from a guy who's by the way just hit nine nine points worth of those step back threes on very good defense on the three possessions before that, I really do actually wonder what the heck you can possibly do about it. And, you know, 26 seconds left, they go up by three. Obviously, Nets still have a couple more chances here, but you can kind of just feel it. You can kind of feel the air come out of it, right? When when that Doncic three banks in, you're like, okay, well, it looks like we're just looking at one of those nights because he, he, dropped, he ends up dropping 49, 16 to 25 from the field. I got to tell you, he drops 49 points. I thought the Nets did a good job on him. Like all things considered, I, I I think like in general, they had a pretty good plan of attack here and the defense that the Nets were trying to employ down their best defender. And uh, you know, one of their better switch defenders in cam Johnson and still, and, and, and you know, it's like, okay, you'll get to the end of the night. You say, Oh, a guy put 49 points up. How can you say you played him? Well, look, if you watch the game, they hounded him, they bothered him. They made these shots tough. He just made really, really tough shots over and over and over again. So when you see that ball bank in, you got to kind of think to yourself, uh, maybe this isn't the Nets night. Then you start thinking, you really start to spiral. Maybe this isn't the Nets season. And <laughs> and then you're like, what am I doing with myself on a Friday night? But hey, man, that's basketball. And sometimes that's just the way it goes. So Luke ends up dropping 49, including the, the backbreaker at the end. He goes for 49, uh, 10, and 7. He's there's a reason he's in the MVP discussion. There's a reason he's one of the be very best, you know, top three, top four best players in all of basketball. This is kind of what you get. And there's going to be some nights where this does happen to you and best laid plans and, you know, all the, all your intentions about how you're going to defend the guy or how you're going to be able to stop a guy. I do wonder sometimes when, when he's got it going like this, like what is there to be done that can stop him? He can see every angle. He can see every pass. If you're not going to defend him, you know, if you're not going to get in his hip, he's going to hit some of these crazy shots. If you're going to double him, he's just going to pass right out of it because he sees over everything and he's going to find open shooters elsewhere. And you are kind of behind the eight ball when it comes to Luka. So got to just give respects to, to Doncic. He he ends up winning the game. I think he ends up winning the game much more than the Nets end up losing this game. I, I, there's no I don't think that's really up for debate. Again, the Nets dropped 100 and played, put up 120 points in this game, right? Like they shot really well from three. They had multiple double-digit scores, including Cam Thomas dropped 30. I'll talk about him here in a second. But, you know, in a game where you put up 120 and you, you shoot all, close to 50% from three, you know, and you lose, it's like, okay, <laughs> so someone else on the other side must have done something pretty spectacular. And that was it. Luca drops 49. No one else even gets over 20 points, including Kyrie Irving, who went for six for 17 from that for Dallas. So uh, in the end, uh, a total bummer of a loss. But, um, you know, sometimes you have, do have to tip. There has to be a tip your cap moment at some point and say, hey, like this is we're watching one of the greats here. And we sometimes you get to watch one of the greats do some really, really great stuff. And that was the case with Luca. When it comes to the Nets, 
Okay, a lot of lot going on with this team here, and coming off a game against the Cavs, where I, you know, there was debate about sort of what was the what was the fault of the loss was it Jacques Vaughn's uh, sort of management and and game stuff. I, I could definitely hear that part of it. Um, was it you know Simmons and and not really kind of coming full and come into full fruition with his game? He plays limited minutes. Was it sort of the herky jerky rotations or what was it? Was it just like were they only in the game because Cam Thomas went nuclear? And that's the reason that they were say in the Cleveland in, in the Cavs game before they ultimately lost to to Spider uh, hitting the three at the end. But in this one, they come in without Nick Claxton. They come in without Cam Thomas. And they go with a lineup, which I actually thought predicted it. If you follow us on subtext or you follow over our, uh, on Twitter, we had said uh, that we thought there was a good chance that we were going to get a Dorian Finney-Smith start. Now, they, you know, instead of Dayron Sharp, when you hear that Nick Claxton is not going to be playing, you think, oh, maybe it's going to be Dayron Sharp that's going to come in and play the center minutes. Thought that there was some chance it was going to be DFS into more of like a switch-heavy scheme. Um, and then you get both you get uh, Claxton and Cam Johnson out, and then you get the Cam Thomas start. And that was just probably just say, hey, look, and that's a this is a admission by Jacques Vaughn at this point that, you know, Cam's one he they feel like Cam. And it's true. He's one of their seven best players at this point. And so he just moves into the starting lineup because you're like, well, at this point, we can't go all match up here. We're going to need to have some offense. We'll spread it out around Ben Simmons. We'll get some spacing. We'll go four out. We'll hope that Simmons can get into some of his bag offensively, and we hope that we can hit threes. From that standpoint, I mean, the the strategy definitely worked, right? I just said they hit forty, they hit excuse me fifty percent of forty nine percent, hit forty nine percent of their threes. Uh, Cam Thomas comes in and leads the team in most uh, field goal attempts. He gets uh, he gets up nineteen, ends up getting to the line, goes five for five again. Again, another super efficient night from Thomas. You want to have a gripe? You say, okay, well, why? Did he sit for six or seven minutes in the fourth quarter? I can definitely hear that. Uh, and, you know, where he's like, hey, he's been your best offensive player. Shouldn't he be in there for the lion's share here? Like, you know, if Dinwiddie's going to play 40 minutes, why is Cam Thomas not going to be playing the same number of minutes? I think that's that'd be a fair criticism if you were going to throw that up there, right? Like, he should he should be in there for probably as much as they can possibly hope to get out of him because he's the guy that Dallas doesn't seem to have any answer for. As much as Luca. Excuse me. As much as Brooklyn didn't really have many answers for Luca, you know, to some degree, Dallas didn't really have many answers for Cam, right? Like I just just gave you the line. That's really really efficient shooting, really efficient scoring. He was able to actually tax Doncic on a bunch of switches, and Nets were able to tax um, the, really Doncic and plus all the other bigs in switch. Uh, switching action and ISO actions really all night. And so, okay, you want to have a Jock Vaughn criticism here? Why isn't Cam Thomas, why isn't he pressing 36, 37 minutes, especially throughout that entire fourth quarter? I can definitely hear that. If you want to bring in that as a gripe, I, I'm 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 here for that. We're not going to sit here and just defend every single Jacques Vaughn decision from now to the end of the season. That's not going to be this kind of podcast. But um, so I, I, I do wonder, but it was, it was definitely a head scratcher at times. He wants to play offense, defense. Maybe he thinks he, he thought Cam needed a breather. There was a lot of heavy lifting for him on both ends of the court uh, because he was really getting just called out every single time and switches. So maybe there's that too. Like maybe I, you know we're doing this post game. Jacques Vaughn will do a presser. Maybe he's going to answer why those minutes were like that. Um, and but if you want to just come in and, and have a complaint about it right from the start, yeah, man, I can I can definitely hear that. What Cam Thomas has shown you now, though, is that like this guy's got to be playing all the time, right? Like they this is two games now following a preseason that we saw it. There's just no excuses anymore. He was actually I thought able to hold his own ish on defense. At least there was effort there. He got picked on a ton in this game. They might as well put a green light or a sign over him every time Luca came up off the court, which to say we're going to run 
as many screens as it takes to get Cam Thomas into the switch. They did that. I'm, I have to look at the possession data at the end of this. He had to been the primary defender on like 60 to 70% of the possessions that he was in there where they were just going over and over and over at Thomas in, in those switches with Luca as much as possible. I thought he, the effort was there. He tried, he moved his feet. He stopped a couple, uh, he got into a couple passing lanes. Uh, it's going to, this is going to be an impossible thing for him. He's undersized. He's just not a great defender to begin with. So getting picked on over and over again is, uh, it's just going to be a heavy lift. And by the way, if you're thinking maybe, Hey, maybe that's part of the, the reason that he needed a sub he was going after it on both ends of the court. It's exhausting to be put into that defensive situation. And maybe there's some recognition around that. That's just me saying it. I don't really know if that's going to be the case or not. Regardless, we've seen for what we've seen from Thomas is that he's vaulted himself into the has to be a core play. Obviously, every single night for the Nets has to be a core part of the rotation. He's just too dynamic of a scorer at this point, and there's really no excuse. I'm sure what's going to come into the conversation now is whether or not Cam Thomas should be in the starting lineup over, say, Dinwiddie. I mean, Dinwiddie shot eight for 17 and six for 12 from three on his own tonight, so it wasn't like he was dead weight or anything. Um, but there probably will be some conversations around where these minutes should go because they're just getting so much out of Cam at this point that it's like you you have to try to find reasons to what you say to yourself why he's not on the court right <laughs> like what possible reason should he not be out there 35 36 minutes a night if you know he's going to put an effort on defense and this is the kind of scoring so we're going to probably have some debates around this I, I i'm not sure exactly where i land except to say it's like he's the guy's been amazing it's all superlative for him he's been unbelievable He's been arguably the best Nets best player for the first two games of the season so far, which is really saying something. And he's just put himself in a position that, you know, they it's sometimes it's a good problem to have. Like you want to have good players that you want to have good players that you can play. You want to have options. Uh, there's been too many times where the Nets have felt like there's no options, right? It's like, oh, you know, who are they going to play? LaMarcus Aldridge or Blake Griffin? You're like, well, both sound terrible. I don't know. <laughs> Right. Like I, there's situations that have come up like that in the past. I don't feel like the Nets are actually have this exact problem, except that now we're going to run into an issue where, you know, every time I, I can already see it happening too. it happens happening on my timeline. Every single time this guy is not on the court, people are losing their minds because they want to have him out there on the court for the scoring. Like this is happening the whole fourth quarter. Like, why isn't he out there? Why isn't he playing? Why is there a six minute stretch where he's not in the Nets gave away the lead during that time. And that's brutal to watch. And I, I totally get it. And it's a, a good problem to have, to have good players. It's a not great problem. If there's going to cause sort of just um, issues up and down the rotations about who should be playing and who should not. Because again, I thought basically everyone that played tonight played really well. Uh, this was this was not just about Cam Thomas. I mean, this this the reason I'm bringing him up because he's sort of a, you know, he becomes an interesting test case. I could have started with a bunch of different stuff here, like Ben Simmons. Didn't what he played great. I thought the defense as a whole was. I, I know they put up 125. I thought that what they schemed was good. I thought that it, it was pretty ballsy to just go small the entire time here and just hope that it worked out. And I, you know, it basically did. They were in this game all the way to the end. I'm not sure a lot of other coaches would have taken that direct path. You know, and but they did. They went with a really, really short lineup. They only played seven guys, basically. I mean, DSJ played eight minutes, day around played three. Um, and they just kind of put their best foot forward. So interesting game. Like I said, I wanted to start with Thomas. Uh, we'll get into Simmons here in a second and just want to thank everyone that's over on YouTube live. Got a ton of people in. I'm gonna try to, you know, no Adam tonight, but we're gonna try to hang out for a little bit. If you have some questions that you want me to answer. 
We'll go through the regular just sort of debrief on the game here. And then if I'll take a few questions as we get into the night, uh, this late Friday night, because I can see there's tons of people in here. And obviously this chat is absolutely popping off. So if you are um, in, if you're in the chat, if you throw at locked on nets there, it'll be a little bit easier for me to see because as I'm rolling here solo, sometimes it's a little hard to track the questions uh, and the conversation and just kind of try to keep my thoughts together. Ben Simmons night. Look, you know, we talked about sort of some of the struggles that Simmons had had early in the season saying that some of it, I think was like party come on his own. And some of it was that there's the pairing between Nick Claxton and Ben Simmons is problematic, right? From a stylistic point of view, from what they both do well and what they both don't do well. Um, this pairing has been really bad going into this game. I mean, obviously Claxton didn't play. Let me see if I can pull this number up here because I tweeted it before, but I got to run down my timeline and I closed the tab. I had looked up the Ben Simmons plus Nick Claxton minutes this uh, over the course of their time together in Brooklyn without KD and without Kyrie. So you got to take out those two guys. I think we talked about this on the podcast the other night. Yeah, they played 82 minutes together this uh, over the last two years. That's without KD and Kyrie with to a negative 22.5 net rating offensive rating, 92.94. I mean, that's horrible. It's like me and four guys from the chat going out there and trying to do some offense at 92.92.94. And then equally kind of troubling from that standpoint, 115.43 defensive rating, which means not only they suck on offense, but they're horrible on defense as well. And the whole dream of having these two guys together is like, Hey, you'll give up the stuff that's not going to happen on offense and you will lock it down on defense, but that's not actually not happening either with these, with this pairing. Now, some of it is very small sample size, right? 80 minutes is really nothing that you can run cold from three during that time and, and get it and have a low offensive rating. Probably some of the other part too, is the offense is so bad that they've never able to, these labs are never able to set really on defense in the way they want to, because they're, they never make any shots. So the other team <laughs> is out there and just in cross matches or transition or whatever it is. So, um, that, those minutes between those between Claxton and Simmons have been really really bad. So tonight you get no no Nick Claxton in the mix, and you're going to get to see what's what a healthier Simmons looks like with just shooters and spacers around them. And you know, surprise surprise, it looks really good, <laughs> right? Like not not uh, surprise surprise is a joke. Like of course, like this is the kind of lineup that Simmons needs to have around him to really showcase the things that he does well. And this was uh, you know a, this between the, the preseason. And the Cavs game, this was easily his best game. Easily, you know, wanted to get, I think he took the first three shots for the Nets. He was trying to get to the rim. There was a couple curious times where he didn't attack the, he didn't attack smaller defenders in space. So you're always going to worry a little bit, but all overall, 10 points, 10 rebounds, eight assists, two steals, two blocks. You know, was up on Luca, really stupid foul on Luca near the end of the game, but whatever. Uh, I thought overall, when you have Ben Simmons and you have most of the rest of this roster around him, like this is exactly the kind of game or excuse me, the exactly kind of thing that you're looking to put together with him, have him out there, have four guys that can shoot threes at all times, which is the nets basically did, right? They played, they, they started with uh, Mikhail DFS and Spencer and cam. We know all those guys can space the floor. The only two subs were Royce O'Neal and Lonnie Walker. Lonnie Walker played really, really well in this one. Also, um, despite like, you know, a couple, a couple dumb fouls on him, but either way, 21 minutes, he goes three for five and shoots well. So it's like, okay, we got six shooters. We got Ben Simmons and let's see what we can do. They pushed the pace. They got up 120 points. They got a ton of great looks. He tried to get to the rim a few times, right? He ends up scoring double digit points. 
And this is they and they were effectively able to play off like they got their uh, Derek Lively the second out where he drew the start. He looked amazing against Wembenyama and company the other day, and they basically played him all the way off the court. Like he wasn't able to stay on. They had to go with Maxi Kleber. They had to go with Dwight Powell a little bit more. And this is the dream of what you get with having Simmons. Like the and I really wonder now. I leaned away from the mic there. I really wonder now, like sort of what problems this potentially puts on the nets to understand that the pairing of Claxton and Simmons doesn't work that Claxton, you know, his own with ball handlers is going to be fine because that's, you know, he can rim run and he can, and he can protect the paint and, and put backs and all this other stuff. But with him paired with Simmons just doesn't work. Like we just know this. It, it just, it's not, this isn't rocket science. We've been saying this for a while. This is not how the modern NBA works. Like it's really, really hard to have two non spacers on your team at the same time, unless like your three other guys are like Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and one other dude, right? You know, then you can do it. <laughs> like, short of that, it's been pretty much proven that it's going to be really, really tough for any other group of guys to do it. Nets are no exception here, obviously. So, Nets are in a curious spot, I think, with what to do now because you can stagger these minutes only so much. You have to make decisions about who's going to be out there on the court. They are in a hard place with this in terms of like how it's going to ultimately shake out. Again, when they brought Simmons in before, or originally, don't forget, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on the team. When those guys are on the team, it's a little bit different. Like, those dudes are so unbelievable in space. Those guys are just offense among themselves. You can live with you can live with the, the, these other two dudes on the court, court together. I was sort of joking about the Clay and Steph thing, but, like, the Nets had a version of this in KD and Kyrie, and it's not going to ever – that's going to mask sort of some of the deficiencies around the other guys. Nets don't have that anymore. So now playing these guys together is just kind of brutal. And when you watch them hang all the way with Luca and Kyrie and the Mavericks in a hostile environment, you do start to wonder, like, hey, how, you know, this is maybe this is what we need to just see more. And without Claxton, and it's not an anti-Claxton take; it's just like a pro putting the five best guys on the court that all work together take. That's ultimately what we really, really want to see. But a really encouraging game, I thought here from Simmons. He was getting after it. He was trying to get to the rim. You know, usage still pretty low. Eight shots is still probably not enough. That's got to be up in double digits just because he's got to be pressing every advantage he can. Like if he has Kyrie Irving in front of him, like he's got to go to the rim, right? You got four spaces around you. The whole reason to be out there when Kyrie you get, Kyrie gets switched on to you is to go to the basket. And if they collapse and bring help, then you kick out. We already know Simmons is good, good, really good about that. But when he never squares his body and doesn't want to do that, we're still kind of waiting for like the all. When that happens, then it will all have come back together for Simmons. Right. I think we're almost there. He's getting really close. He's getting starting to look like the version of himself that was really good in Philly. But there is still that one step that needs to go. And it's that last piece, which is when you have the smaller defender or you have the slower defender, you have to square your body up to the basket and you have to get downhill. There cannot be the turn to the side DHO and 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 it just can't be happening every time. But we also saw with Simmons tonight early on, especially was when he's when he's in there without Claxton on the court, they would run the DHO. He would mini screen. Then he would get himself down into the dunker spot. And they kind of went away from this a little bit later, but he'd get himself in the dunker spot and they'd either find him there and he'd get the ball down there and kick out, or he'd just try to go up to the basket. Like, that's great. Like that's what they need to keep doing. Again, they got away from it a little bit in the second half. But ultimately, I think this you look at this game and you say to yourself, hey, this is the version of Simmons that we thought we were getting. This is the version of Simmons that has the best kind of guys around him. And like this is where we end up all ultimately wanting to go 
uh, with his game and who and who's going to be paired with. So I think overall, I, this, it's really hard to get into this uh, podcast here after a loss and be like, okay, well, they've lost. <laughs> They're 0-2 now, and we've had a lot of positives to take away because you're 0-2. Uh, being 0 2 sucks. Like, you want to win every single game, especially when they're close. You're hoping that you can take one of these games and, and make it a victory. But I think with the Nets team this year, we're just going to have to keep this is going to be a steady theme is taking, you know, I think the, I think the wins will ultimately come. I think there's going to be some of these games are going to ultimately be able to close out. Um, it just hasn't happened in the first two. And, and that's really disappointing. So, Want to get to some questions here in chat. Again, really, really appreciate everyone that has stuck around. I'll close out the regular podcast episode here just because we'll post that on the podcast feed. Uh, and so there'll be a, like a two-second delay. And then uh, well, probably a little bit more than two seconds. And then I'll jump back in over live on YouTube to answer as many questions as possible. Much appreciated, everyone that jumped in. And for everyone that's listening to the podcast, we will be back later on on Monday talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.